I will not talk about power meter and food. I will not talk about power meter and food. I will not talk about power meter and food. Okay, then it's gonna be just power meter and breakfast. Hello everybody and welcome to Bruvagoon. You will not get there on a road bike. Today, pretty exciting. I'm gonna talk about power meter and breakfast and I'm gonna talk about that with somebody. Well, I think that this is the first time, so it's not the first time that I've been talking with a world champion or former world champion, in this case, world champion. But probably this is gonna be the first time that I'm gonna talk with somebody who is a record holder you want to know more just give yourself a couple of minutes and you will know it in the meantime remember that this podcast here is quite independent but as the support of the nice people from Komoot so if you want to take advantage of an amazing navigation system and route planner and everything related to that and not only about the free region that you're gonna get once you register to Komoot, just go down here or just write komoot.com g like Greenland and then write the code BROOM. Then in this case, close to your free region, you're gonna get another free region. And then you can take advantage of everything that is side-by-side -side navigation and uh, map offline and all these kind of things. It's just super, super cool. Another thing to keep my podcast quite independent is coffee so down here you're gonna find the link to my coffee page that I'd lately still didn't receive so many uh, coffees there so please go down click on the page and then be free to pay me a coffee this is gonna make actually everything a bit more independent and cool for me that I'm talking and for you that are listening another great help please go on Spotify now the review system is there as well or Apple Podcasts, and give me any review or just a comment or whatever you feel like doing this is gonna be super helpful because it's gonna keep the broom wagon on tops not on tops i mean on the i mean on the jersey that you have on the top of your body but on top of the charts that's what i wanted to say another cool thing is that remember that this podcast by dropping a coin all the time that the naming the covid situation is gonna also support the charity called by Kiji. so basically this is a yeah a super nice ngo from berlin who teaches to women, refugee women, to ride their bike. And you all know how super amazing it is. Just that's for the start. Let's continue on this path because I promised you that you're gonna listen in a few seconds about myself talking with a record holder. I'm talking about Heston Lamby, super great person that I contacted thanks to the help of another awesome person that is little James Arnold. Feel free to fill him on Instagram, also here, the link is down below. And yes, we talk with Ashton, who is record holder of Individual Pursuit, as well as world champion in the Individual Pursuit. It was a great chat, we talked a lot about power meter and breakfast, just a bit about that. And then everything around it. Get free for one hour and enjoy the conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. Made a rookie mistake all the time when you're interviewing somebody super famous. Uh, you get nervous and you make a mess. What do you think, Ashton? Uh, I don't know. I don't really feel like I'm super famous. You, sh you mistakes should. Mistakes happen. <laughs> you should, man. For two reasons. First of all, because I'm talking with Ashton Lemby. So basically the record holder of the individual pursuit or the four kilometers on the track what would you say how would you define it how would i define the individual pursuit individual pursuit yeah yeah can you define it for us in uh, a few words because probably not everybody people here usually they are cycling enthusiasts but i don't know how many people are following the track cycling how would you define the individual pursuit yeah i mean it's just a time trial um of 16 laps on a track so it's on a fixed gear it's on a 250 meter track and it's just how fast you can ride from a dead start. So there's a gate that holds you up. You have a gear that's bolted to your back wheel so you can't coast or change gears or anything. And then you have to go as hard as you can for however long it takes you to ride 
four kilometers. And you also were championship, were champion in this discipline. Yes, that is also true. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a big yeah. year. <laughs> What's your gear ratio usually? Um, for for worlds, I ran a sixty-five fifteen, so it's about one hundred and seventeen inches. Mm-hmm. Sixty-five. Um, yeah, sixty-five like, is basically my dinner plate. It's. <laughs> There's a funny video of uh, the shop I had built it in Mexico where they're like assembling the bike and they're like using the chain ring to f- uh, put tortillas on and like flip them over. It's pretty cute. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a big it's a big chain ring. Yeah. And for the records, what did you use? Um, that was a 6415. So just a little bit smaller. Okay. Would you really feel the difference? So it's just one tooth less on the chain ring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one like I think three years ago I might not have been able to know the difference or tell the difference, but like, you know, I've ridden ridden bikes a lot longer and trained a lot longer now, and like you you can you can tell the difference. Okay, okay, okay. That's that's great. So yeah, we're champion. Um, then let's take out straight away the elephant from the room, man. So my accent is pretty clear, and I told you basically I'm Italian, and actually the previous record holder was Filippo Ganna and probably also the previous world champion, I don't remember. But is, yeah. yeah, so that's actually could cause some friction. There's nothing against you on my side. I actually <laughs> really like you. And I know as I'm not as nas- uh, nationalistic, nationalistic, how would you say that? Probably in Italian sounds yeah, better. Yeah. As I uh, as people expect me to be i'm super happy that you are both world champion and uh the world record holder because you're a great character and i like how cool you are on social media and stuff so pretty happy that you are here with me today see that's funny because i when you were like oh we got someone really famous on the podcast like i feel like Filippo gan is really famous and like i have the utmost respect for that guy like he's such an accomplished cyclist so yeah i i he's someone that i view as like like if he comes over and talks to me, I'm like, oh my God, it's Felipe Ogama. Like he's coming to chat with me. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we're, we're, you know, like he's time trial world champion, you know, multi time trial world champion. Like he's been world champion several times. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I think that guy's pretty famous. <laughs> Have you ever talked with him? He's a nice dude. Yeah. Mm. He's pretty. I wouldn't say he's like super chatty. Um, there could be some problem of lost in translation. Probably it's a problem of language. Probably like, uh, yeah, my Italian is not very good, and his English is much better than my Italian. Okay, sure. it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But also, yeah, I think that in these kind of things, so or the comparison that we're making on uh, uh, the famous rider, yes, I think that probably Philippe Pogan is a bit more famous than you. But just because oh, I yeah. think he's in the pro tour, so he's a road cyclist, and there is way more media yeah. on the road cycling than in truck cycling or in gravel cycling 100 percent. there's a lot of focus on world tour yeah and he won as well the as you were saying multiple times world champion in the um, uh, time trial as well a stage at giro d'italia maybe two or three so, oh my god yeah. yeah it's like it's hard to keep track dude yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely maybe at a certain point i'm gonna have him on the podcast and ask him about you <laughs> maybe yeah he's i i don't know what he thinks about me i'm sure he's just like what a weird little guy i don't i don't know he's he's super nice like i feel like we get on pretty well at least the few times we've chatted that's very great that's super super great no but yeah for me as i was saying i'm super super honored of having you on uh, on the broom wagon today even if you were already into another broom wagon a few weeks ago and that's super fun uh bit of context to everybody i contact uh, i contacted ashton few days ago uh thanks yeah. to an hookup from little jace arnold so the amazing guy you can find him on uh, all around on the instagram making making awesome animation and i can define him as a really good friend of mine at least only digitally for now and then i asked him can i interview ashton and then i got in contact with ashton super cool super chilled and then at a certain point he told me stefano but you are also running the same podcast podcast there was in a few weeks ago because you were in the Basenwagen. basically it's the german version of the broom wagon I would not put it in this way because they are way more famous than me. And then I was uh-huh. there and I was saying, oh, no, <laughs> that's something different. <laughs> but that's a super cool coincidence. It is really funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. 
That's super awesome. But yeah, no, I'm super happy that actually you are here today here to talk about several many things. We're gonna mm, something like quickly touch base in a couple of things that I have in mind, but probably could make sense, man. If you can give us a little intro about you. You want me to give you an intro about me? If you want, I can give an intro about me, but people know me already. And I prefer actually oh, my gosh. guests to talk about themselves because otherwise if I start talking, I make a lot of mistakes. I cannot pronounce names, especially <laughs> names and surnames and stuff. So it's better Fair. for you to introduce yourself. At least we're going to take to the bare minimum the mistakes of pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, well, my name is Ashton Lambie. Um, I'm currently living with my partner, Christina Birch, in Houston, Texas. Um, I race track and gravel, although a little bit less track now, um, since I got, you know, my goals of uh, winning world championships and a world record last year and the sub four minute thing, which was a huge goal. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've done track, ultra distance ultra-distance cycling, um, and gravel. So I like to play video games sometimes. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else. Ah, yeah. I have a short question, and then we're going to actually kick on with some other stuff that I put in place. I have one question about yourself personally. I was reading on an app on uh, something online. Oh, it was a magazine. Man, I don't remember. I was reading a bunch of things about you. But I was reading that... uh, Till a couple of years ago, last year, you were still working in a bike shop. Are you still doing it? No, not no, not really now. Mm. Um, I was in when I lived in Lincoln. Okay, um, and it was like it was really just part time. Yeah, um, the owner of the shop is like really super flexible. You know, if I came in on a Wednesday to like help out with repairs, and you know, um, it was it's just something I love doing. Like I've worked in bike shops since I was like 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I love hanging, like I love hanging out in bike shops. I love working in bike shops. I love working on bikes. Um, so it's something like I, now I work with one of my sponsors, Lauf. They make a gra- really nice gravel bikes. They're based out of Iceland. And yeah. so like on the weekends, um, on the evenings and weekends, there's like a, a little box on the website and you go, like, if you go there, it'll, sh- it'll pop up and it'll be like, hi, welcome back. Do you have a question? And like, if you have a question, my face shows up. And if you type it on evenings and weekends, it goes to me. So that's like the closest I still get to working in a bike shop where it's just like having, you know, conversations with people about like what their goals are, what their dreams are and like how, you know, maybe we have a bike or a part that can help them with that. Like that. I, I love doing that. I've always felt really passionate about like getting more people on bikes and helping them achieve like, whatever their goal is, you know? That's so great. It's yeah. It's really nice to be able to still do that. Um, you know, just a, a, a flexible way to do it. And like, it still works around my schedule and like I can still train and race full time and get to do that. It's a, it's a blast. I love doing it. So you mean that basically you are a bar, no, a dream, ah, a bike dreams consultant. Well, that's kind of like when, when I worked at a bike shop, you know, I think a lot of people get hung up or have bad experiences in bike shops when they're like, oh, well, this person is just trying to sell me the bike that they have yeah. in stock. And like, no one, no one likes being sold to. And I don't like selling people shit. You know, mm-hmm. I want to talk about like, I, I'm lucky enough that I get to work with brands that I like. And I get to use and help them develop products that I like. And so, you know, they help me achieve my dreams and like the adventures that I think are super fun. And, you know, maybe if other people share those same ideas and dreams, like then the product could also work for them. But I'm not trying to like sell the product. I'm not like, you should buy this bag. It's like, hey, I'm doing this 200K ride around Texas and I really liked using this bag. And if, you have an adventure that's similar, I think it could be a really good option. If you don't, it might not work for you and that's fine. But like, I think asking, coming from a place of like, everyone has something that they want to do that they might not have the equipment for, or like, you know, they, they think they could do better. Um, and so I want to always like try to help people achieve that, whether it's like, Oh, I want to ride across the country or I want to start commuting to work every day or, I want to ride a bike to lose 30 pounds, like whatever that is. Um, I want to set a PB at my local hill. Like none of those are better or worse than the other ones, but like 
whatever I can do to help people achieve those is something I find really fulfilling. That's super great. I remember that actually a bit of time ago, one year ago, a bit more, I was talking with Leo Rogers. So Leo Rogers, I don't know if you know him, is this awesome guy. He now lives in LA before he was living... I don't remember, probably St. Louis, I don't remember. So basically he's a para-athlete, one-legged, super awesome guy. And I think that now he part-time, apart from racing now gravel and on the track as well, uh, he at that time he was working for a pop-up shop and a specialized, pop, a specialized pop-up shop in LA. And uh, mm. he was telling me something like, yes, because actually when people come to me, I'm not trying to sell what I have in stock. I want to listen to them, understanding what they want to do. And in case a specialized is not for them, I send them to the other shop and get a surly, <laughs> to get a surly. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because absolutely. that's the thing. Thing. trying to hook up people on bikes not try to hook up my bikes to people yeah agreed agreed no that's uh that's super awesome and i love this attitude and it's super great that actually people can really have the opportunity um evenings and uh, in the weekend to talk directly with uh, with you and actually you seems like you have a bit of experience on what the next adventure for people can be uh, achieved let's put it in this way yeah. Well, and it's fun because like I have, you know, years of, of like stupid knowledge of knowing that, you know, uh, SRAM, you know, just released a firmware update that their 12 speed shifters will work with 11 speed derailleurs. And like, when do I get an opportunity to use that knowledge? Like <laughs> evenings and weekends, like it's fun. It's fun to be able to put that knowledge to good use and, um, you know, kind of help people out with that stuff that I know. Yeah, and actually, I think that actually on my side, and it's not an advertising, uh, the Lauf bikes and the Lauf fork is one of my dream objects uh, for several reasons, but for one reason specifically, because the people at uh, at Lauf, they are also involved, if not only sponsor, also something else, of the Rift, that is the amazing race that is in Iceland. Yeah, we, me and Christina got to go do that last year. She She did the full 200K. Okay. Um, and I did the the hundred K cause I was getting ready for Mexico, but oh my God, we had such an amazing time. Like, Is it hard? It, well, I mean, I j again, I just did the hundred K like it was pretty hard. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I, Christina did the 200 K and I think that was probably one of the hardest races she's done. Oh wow. Um, okay. I mean, some of it is like the weather, you know, it was, it was probably, I'm trying to convert to Celsius in my head, maybe like five five degrees and like windy and rainy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, you had to ride through like water crossings and stuff and it's just, the gravel's really rough. You know, it's like you're riding on the moon. Like, it's just, I think that was the other thing that, that struck me the most, you know, like, um, you go to a forest in Italy and you're like, oh yeah, this is a really pretty forest. And then you go to one in like South America and you're like, yep, okay. I've seen a forest before. Like this one's a little bit different, but it's still just a forest. Yeah. But like you go to Iceland and it is so far removed from any other like kind of scenery you've ever seen in your life. Like it's just so different. It was absolutely breathtaking. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Like everyone I've talked to, I'm like, just stop talking to me and go book your tickets to Iceland. Like it's, it's so beautiful. It's awesome. We we loved going there. Yeah, for me, it's in the bucket list of visiting. So tourism-wise, going to Iceland, it should be amazing. Uh, but also yeah. it's on my bucket list as well. I remember that I contacted the Rift people a bit of time ago in order to podcast from there on the race. We didn't yeah. manage to figure it out. But hopefully in the future, this would be something that I would love to do. And maybe also ride it. Let's see. You should. Yeah, you should definitely... I mean, even if you go and just do like your own little tour, uh, there's little gravel roads that crisscross like the entire island. So you can just go and ride around. You don't have to go do the rift. Absolutely. Uh, also because it's all for sure is over my limit. A hundred percent. 200K is a long ways. Mm. I mean, you know, a 200K gravel race, I feel like nowadays they're getting done in about six hours. And I think the winning time was like seven or seven and a half wow. like it's hard gravel man you were talking about let's uh also talk about that because it's super fascinating about christina how is she doing is she ready actually for the new adventure yeah she's been doing really well um she just finished her first week uh 
at NASA at her new job. She got a job as a NASA astronaut candidate. Wow. Um, yeah. So she got selected. Her, her class is 12 people um, out of 12,000 that My initially God. applied. Like over a year ago, she filled out her application sitting in the Olympic Training Center, you know, before the Olympics were postponed. Um, and then, yeah, we were, we spent the summer in Montana at her family's ranch and she got the call that, you know, she was going to get in selected in the class, um, in between my rounds, like my qualification and finals rounds Wow! at the world championships. <laughs> yeah. You actually, I was reading from your social media about the phone call that you got and you were saying something you were writing about that was something like this amazingly cool and super surreal phone call while you basically you were putting on your rainbow jersey and she was telling you about herself being accepted for being at NASA and I can imagine yeah. such a surreal conversation you know at that point you put everything in perspective in this kind of situation don't you it's it's yeah I mean it does like I I got that call from her in between oh, in like between. I had just written the qualifications Okay. I qualified first and then I was like, okay, well, I got to like seal the deal in the final. Um, and I was just like, holy shit, man. Like why, why do bikes even matter? Like you're going to the moon. Like what, what am I doing? Like, it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around. And even still, you know, like she's been at work a week and it's still, you know, just like, okay, well have, have, have fun at work. Like, that doesn't seem to <laughs> assess the gravity of the situation appropriately, you know? Mm -hmm. No, but yeah, it's, as I was saying, it's super cool. You put a bit of things in perspective, but on the other side, yeah. you see that everything accomplished on the other side, the the best that you can do. That's what I can, uh, that I can yeah. say. Try hard to make the best you can do. And there are different ways to make the best you can do, basically. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, uh, that's super great. And actually, following this... Um, uh, something like thoughts line. Uh, so you moved from Kansas. Now you live in uh, Texas. How do you feel? Well, so I lived in Nebraska for a few years. Oh, Nebraska. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that different, honestly. Okay. I lived in Kansas for a few years after college, uh, went to Nebraska and then moved out of Nebraska to, um, we lived in Colorado Springs for a little bit. Um, you know, training for the Olympics and everything. And neither of us, both of us didn't make it for, you know, different reasons. But then we spent the last summer in Montana working on a trailer that we had bought. Like you'd, you'd probably call it a caravan. Oh, okay. Um, yes. Yeah. So we spent the summer working on that at her family's ranch and had a great, like Montana is just gorgeous too. We, we had a really good time training and living in Montana. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like pretty much, uh, like I got back from worlds and it was like, let's pack up and move to Texas. And so we've been in Texas since November. Okay. Um, December ish, something like that. But we really like it. Um, man, it's, it's so nice. Like we were, I, I wouldn't say we had really high expectations. Like we'd heard some good things and some bad things about it. Um, and for me personally, this is the, the first like, major city i've ever lived in okay um, yeah so there's like there's just a lot of stuff going on like constantly you know and the city is just huge um but i've really enjoyed getting to ride around and like um the food is awesome there's so much good food like everywhere we go it's just like insanely good food um there's a like a cool grocery store chain in texas called heb okay that has you know, this incredible variety of food and like, it's all really high quality and relatively inexpensive. Um, it's the weather's really nice. You know, if we get a cold day, it's like, you know, 12 degrees or something. It's mm -hmm. not like, it's not zero or like negative 10 or whatever it is in Montana. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Like can't, can't really complain. It's and super fun. And what about riding there? It's uh, how do you find it? The driving? Riding, riding the bike. Oh, the riding. Um, the riding's good. 
Um, Christina's gotten some good routes like that are a little ways outside of town. So there's a town, we live pretty much downtown. Um, and then there's a spot we can go that's like a 20 minute drive. You know, we just hop on the freeway and we're basically to the edge of town and we can ride through, you know, really nice, uh, like a nature preserve or, you know, just kind of open countryside. Um, and then I usually, uh, I'll just ride from our place and ride through town. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a nice, like, there's a huge variety of like, whether you want to get gravel or whether you want to get some urban riding or just some, you know, miles out in the country. Um, it's kind of up to you. Oh, okay. That's... But it's all very flat. Like mm. there is no elevation gain. I did like a hundred mile ride the other day with like, 200 meters of elevation like almost nothing it's super flat yeah oh wow okay and by the way man i really appreciate that you are talking in metrics here because i cannot wrap my head around with uh yeah the imperial because yeah i know (laughs) you are great i really appreciate it (laughs) i'm trying to convert a little bit no 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 you do great oh as well with um with the temperature you are doing great man i really really appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) thank you uh let's jump from the let's go in the from the beginning so i'm pretty curious because i think actually that we got too many times this conversation so i don't want really to go into cliches but you're kind of a peculiar you have kind of a peculiar history on cycling but where everything started so what's your first crash into bikes Um, so I got into bikes when I was like 15, I found my dad's road bike hanging on the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it had like those goofy drop handlebars and I was like, Oh, that's weird. And then I started riding it. Um, and I rode my first century later that year. And then, um, yeah, got started on like an amateur local road team, um, you know, late high school, early college. And like, honestly, just, uh, didn't really like it. Like that really wasn't my scene. Okay. Um, and so then I got started on ultra distance in college and moved to Kansas, raced gravel down there. Um, did my first track race on the grass track in Kansas in 2016 won my first national championship in 2017 and then was kind of on the uh the uci nations cup world champ national team track circuit for the next like three years three four years perfect that's something that actually all the time hooks up my curiosity so you were talking about the grass velodrome uh, grass velodrome sorry. yeah and uh, so there is this amazing i don't know if it's a legend or it's real history we need to talk a bit more probably i talk already with a lot of uh, people from the messenger community but seems like the grass velodrome were pretty 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 famous especially in central america on south america caribbean or anyways also the south of us and this is the reason why a lot of people went to big cities with their truck bikes so fixed gear bikes and started being bike messengers because they were riding in the grass velodromes and then they actually moved the old scene of the fixed gear up there into the big cities and started riding them in order to make deliveries and make money out of it yeah that's the legend that is out there but seems like on the tell knowing you as a character and knowing the messenger scene as really the environment that is there it seems like actually some truth comes out from this legend, but technically, what's a grass velodrome? How do you ride there? Um, so what we had in Kansas is uh, it is just flat, 333-meter track. So um, there's, it wasn't like rolled or anything. Like The only thing that moved it out was more people riding it more often. So Okay. Like that that's really all there is to it. There's really not that much to describe. It's just like a track, like path in a field of grass. That's Okay, okay. It makes a lot of sense. But what kind of bikes you can you ride there? So you really need, I don't know, grass velodrome actually recalled to me that probably you need a bit more fat tires. Um yeah. it's a, a different geometry on the on the frame. Is it like this or um some probably had different geometry, but 
most people ride like old steel frames that had uh, horizontal dropouts, maybe not necessarily track dropouts, but like forward facing horizontal dropouts. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, a Surly Steamroller was about the only new bike you could get because that you clear 38 tires on. But we we would run like a file tread or like a hard pack cross tire. So like, uh, you know, a specialized or a, or a like Vittoria Torino dry okay. or Torino or something. So something that was still a little bit wider, um, but had a little bit of nod to it. Okay, okay. Yeah, because it's super fascinating. So basically you're riding a cross tire on a velodrome. Well, we're riding a cross tire on a, cross, a hard pack cross track that happens to be 333 meters and only <laughs> left turns. Okay, okay, yeah. It makes uh, yeah, it makes a little sense. But this was your first experience then on uh, a velodrome? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But then you continued then going into a real, sorry, a real velodrome, a parquet or whatever. No, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I took that surly and rode it on the Boulder Velodrome. Okay. Um, that was an outdoor 250. And then I think the next track was San Diego. Um, and then I went to Trexlertown, which is a pretty famous track in the U.S. that has like a really high level of international racing um, for about a month in the summer, mm-hmm. pretty much every summer. Yeah, but yeah, that's make that makes really curious to me because basically you were... Um, a bit more at that time when you actually started being uh, uh, going in the track and then starting being the athlete that you are now. Uh, but actually, everything started then for your riding career, let's put it in this way, a bit more on the gravel scene, right? And uh, gravel scene, ultra endurance, that's how you, um, you build up your um, experience on the bike. How happened mm-hmm. actually that then you jumped directly of being in the national team in truck cycling? Um, well, pretty much it was a real straight path. Once I won my national championship, my first national championship in 2017, mm-hmm. cause it was like, if you, you know, that's the nice thing about the individual pursuit. It's like, if you put up a good result in an Omnium, it's really easy for people to nitpick it and be like, Oh, well you got lucky because this person didn't do this thing or like this person okay. wasn't here or, you know, whatever, like there's a million different ways you can cut it up. But like, if you just do a good time in the individual pursuit, there's not really, there's not really any like arguing with the clock, you know, it's like, well, you did this time. Like that's how good you are. Um, and so they, there was a national team at the time that I was involved in just because I didn't have any results. And I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the goal was to get like four guys that could ride sub 430 in LA. And so, you know, I beat some other guys that were on the national team at the time um, and was the only person that year that went under 430. And so they were like, I don't know who this kid is, but like we're taking him to camp and like we'll teach him how to ride team pursuit. And it worked. That's great. Actually, because they are, anyways, we're talking about super specific. Uh discipline in truck cycling as you were saying we are not talking about the omnium or you're not talking about sprint or whatever that's super specific it means really going sprinting for four kilometers yeah <laughs> we can yeah, put it in this way basically a sprint yeah so yeah it's super cool that actually you managed to build up these skills by before only riding gravel do you think that actually this came naturally to you or do you think that just you are talented on that or you build up these skills over and over over the time actually um i mean i do i feel like i work pretty hard um but i do think like my natural talent is probably more in the individual pursuit than it is gravel okay Um, like i've always been a really stocky dude Mm -hmm. um and like I put on muscle pretty easily. Uh, I, you know, have good torque. Like I can start a gear and it's huge strain on me. No, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting on uh, listening actually, because this was something that I was actually also listening or reading. I don't remember really, uh, that you actually, you gain something like the power actually after a bit of training in the gym, 
you're already something like building up your muscles. You're really, uh, let's say your body adapts super good and actually develops super good in this direction. And do you think that actually this is a characteristic that really you need to have in order to be, um, let's say, uh, successful on the track? So you need a lot of gym work? Yeah. I mean, I think you need, maybe, I don't know if you need as much as a sprinter, but like you need gym work to, I think, I think that's something most cyclists neglect and that the sport hasn't really caught up with is like, you should be in the gym, you know, mm. even, even during the season, I think a lot of people will, you know, kind of faff around and like do gym, you know, for two months during the off season and then totally skip it the rest of the season. And I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> like okay. that's not how I work. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I, I, I fully realize that's a losing battle and, uh, I'll keep saying it, you know, even though people don't do it, <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Okay. But I would then, let's talk about five minutes, really, not more, about training. I, I see in the social media that you are pretty active on Swift. Let's talk about training oh, yeah. now. We're going to talk about community in one second, but actually your training on Swift is kind of pretty uh, legit. Then you are anyways also riding the bike. And I think that the most bike riding that you do, it's on uh, on gravel path and stuff. And then you hit yeah. the gym. How, would you, uh, how do you actually put together? How you build up your training? Um, well, I mean, I guess for me... I have, you know, some Zwift commitments. Like I do a group ride with Zip, who's a sponsor. I do that uh, two times a day on Wednesdays. So it's like, oh, okay, well, I know what I'm doing on, on Wednesday. Um, and then like when Community League is going, that's on Tuesdays. And so I, I go well if I do a gym in the morning and Community League in the afternoon. So okay. like this morning I did gym, I'm chatting with you, and then I've got Community League. Um And then, you know, right now I'm kind of in a base phase, so I'll try to fill in, you know, like a long ride on Thursday and Friday and ride with Christina on the weekends. And, you know, that, that's a pretty complete week right there. So basically I try to get gym, I try to get gym in two days a week Okay. Um, and then kind of, kind of fill in around from there, I guess. Okay. No. Yeah. It makes sense. And you don't feel how many times actually during the year or when then arrives the time that you're going on the track to ride your bike there? Um, not as often as you'd think, like in between Mexico and world championships, I actually didn't touch the track. At wow. All. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were in Montana, you know, and I was like feeling a little burned out after Mexico. I was just like, oh, that's hard. And I remember lining up in um in paris for the qualifiers and i was like shit man i have not done a standing start since mexico <laughs> damn it okay yeah i mean but like i did a lot of good training um i mean obviously it worked out okay i'm not saying it was like ideal but mm -hmm. uh it was it, it worked it's okay okay and uh, yeah because actually i think that on the truck So myself, I'm not pretty knowledgeable about riding in the track. I've done it a couple of times, but it's not actually the thing that I'm not a track cyclist. Let's put it in this way. Yeah, but it's you a pretty need, niche discipline. Yeah. yeah, and you need a lot of technique in any way, right? For several reasons. You have no brakes. Uh, you have to know yeah. how to accelerate. You're running a big chain ring. You need to know how to choose your lines. And if you have to, so if you're doing a team pursuit, then you need to yeah. know how much you have to draft and when, how you can push and how much you have to push in order not to drop your teammates around. It's a lot of technique. It is a lot of, I mean, yeah, I would say individual tech or individual pursuit is probably one of the less technique dependent disciplines. Um, and it's also like every track is unique, you know, like other than the fact that they're all 250 meters, um, There's no rules as, I mean, I'm sure there are some rules within a, a range, but you can have tracks that have like very long straightaways and very sharp corners or vice versa, where it could have like really, really wide corners and almost no straight at all. Mm -hmm. So you could spend all this time training on a track. And then when you get to the race venue, maybe the track's different. Okay. Um, and so I think that there's also ways you can train those skills. Like, for example, I had a i i have a like a an adapter on so i can put my track bike on 
my trainer and do like erg mode workouts on Zwift. So then I'm training in my pursuit position at my pursuit power. Um, and I don't have to worry about the track stuff. I also think that sometimes that's a little bit more effective training because if you're doing stuff on the track, there's also a lot of time you spend outside of your specific power zones. So like if I'm winding up to do a flying kilo, it's okay. about a minute long. Mm -hmm. Um, there's probably at least another minute that I just spend at tempo riding around the top of the track to get up to speed. And like, that's just a waste of energy. Okay. So I do think there's some, some benefits to be had from doing track specific work on a turbo. Mm -hmm. So basically that's the way you do it. So something like yeah. putting yourself on the trainer and do truck specific training on the turbo instead of, uh, going and train over and over also because probably you don't have a velodrome super close to your place most of the time and you didn't have it no nope. so, uh, exactly so basically that's the best way that you can do something like training yourself and your position and everything to stay yeah. then comfortable on a velodrome that most of the time is different one velodrome is different from another yeah that's correct yeah okay Okay. Yeah. It, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So basically you are spending most of the time, most of your training is split between, okay, leaving the gym on the side between gravel, uh, surfaces and swift. Yeah. yeah I would say that's about right. Okay. Okay. That's very good. But are you still, actually we were talking about that at the beginning, right? Uh, um, you were at the rift, you're still doing some, uh, gravel races and everything like that. Are you on the competitive bunch in the front or you are just leaving all the competitiveness and all the hungry for winning only for the truck cycling? Um, I would say like the main competition stuff is for or has been for track. I think gravel will be more competitive this year, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I'll have the, like I don't, I'll have the fitness to be up in the group. Like I think it'll just be fun to complete you know, some, some 200 K races. Like I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Are you planning something like this for this year? Um, yeah, I mean, I've got, some the, the lifetime grand B series is a new series in the U S that's like six, um, big ultra distance races that are three of them are mountain bike. And then three of them are famous gravel races around the U S. So that's a big one I'm excited for. Um, there's a handful of other like local gravel races. Like I'll do stuff like the rift, um, gravel world championships in Nebraska. Um, there's some, uh, uh yeah, just like that kind of stuff. And then I'm, I'll throw some adventures in. Like I've got a 200 ride plan for Thursday around Houston. So, okay. Okay. It's always an adventure. So you're also keeping your time a bit more also for going out for some adventure, discovering the outdoor, the new outdoors that actually you have now at your back door. Yeah, I love riding around Houston. It's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I want to ask you another thing that actually, uh, do you find differences on uh, yourself, uh, on nutrition, let's say, on yourself eating for um, gravel racing and truck racing. Basically, um, let's put everything in a context. Um, Ashton, you have to know that I love breakfast. And uh, oh, I just great. wanted to know if you have differences on breakfast before a long-distance gravel race and before a truck tournament or championship or whatever. Man, not really. Okay. Uh, what do you eat for breakfast I then? <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't say I watch my diet super close. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just, I like eating food. Um, I try to, you know, eat healthy. And usually I feel like I'm struggling to eat enough calories. Um, and I find that really affects my performance on the bike. Um, so I would, I, I really like obviously for breakfast, like an egg sandwich, um, egg, like breakfast burritos, mm -hmm. uh, egg and eggs and rice is always a good, uh, like a good pre-race breakfast. I always find that that sits pretty well. Um, but yeah, I also like to eat like normal food when I'm out on ride. I don't oh. really, I don't do, I, I call it like space food. Like I don't do a lot of gels mm -hmm. or like uh, bar bars or stuff like that. Um, 
I'll stop at like a gas station and get a fajita or something. Or like we take a, a lot of biscuits on rides. Okay. Um, Bon mi. Do you know what a bon mi sandwich is? Absolutely. They are Korean sandwiches, right? Yeah. Oh my God. I love bon mi. Bon mi is my favorite mid ride food. I will ride further than I will admit out of the way to get a good bon mi and a nice like coffee. Yeah. 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 No, bun mi are amazing. I think that they are the, uh, they are cool. So it's not, the sandwiches are not baked, but actually they are stem, I think, steamed. And uh, inside you can put a lot of super glorious yeah. food. I love it. Oh, and like the, the bread is so good. Like, oh man, I, I love bun mi. There's a lot of Vietnamese restaurants around here. Too. There's like a lot of tacos. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's super great. And uh, so, but you have a power meter on your gravel bike. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so actually, you can calculate as well. Of course, in terms of, of course, in terms of uh, um, training and everything, where you to, you want to stay out, even if you are riding on a gravel on a gravel road and stuff. But also, how much food and calories you have to stuff in while you are outside exploring yeah. for two hundred miles, and that's nice. Usually it's a lot. Like there's, if I go out for a five hour ride, like there's no way I'm going to eat 4,000 calories on that ride. (laughs) Of course. It's just not going to happen. Okay, 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 okay. No, but it's good actually. Uh, I I will never be hooked up from a power meter because from my side, being out on the bike means being out on the bike and not watching so many numbers. But on the other side, it's a good indicator of how much you have to eat because actually to me happens most of the time that I feel guilty to eat too much during the rides. Because then I feel heavy and everything like that. So oh, I sure. never, I never really fuel up as I should. Probably the power meter can help me on that. Of feeling less guilty on putting on me, I don't know, a couple of packages of biscuits, two sneakers, and a couple of uh, burritos, for example. That's pretty good, man. I, I, I ha- just like, I kind of forget to eat on rides sometimes. Yeah. And so I, I, my struggle is usually eating enough, like... So I two Snickers and package of biscuits and a burrito like you're doing pretty good. No, that's yeah, yeah, solid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's something that I should do, but I have the same problem as you are. I usually forget about. That's why sometimes I put stuff into the bottle and some carbs and stuff because otherwise I really I forget most of the time. I remember once yeah. I was riding up the Stelvio twice. And uh, for the second time that I was going up the Stelvio, I didn't eat at all for the, I think it's 25 kilometers uphill. And, uh, oh my gosh. And then actually when I arrived on top, it was also cold. I was, I was there and I was saying, Stefano, you're super stupid. You cannot do these kind of things. Oh. Next time I'm going to bring a burrito with me. Oh, a bummy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> No, that's perfect. Another thing that fascinates me a lot about actually your kind of way of um, mixing up the two different ways of riding, so gravel riding and truck cycling, how yeah. does your bike fitting look like? You know what I mean? Actually, you have yeah, something that keep, you keep constant something, something like, I don't know, the crank set uh, size or the I stem do. size, yeah. or it's completely different from one to another. No, I keep... Um... I ride 165 cranks, and ah, so I keep super short, actually, right? Yeah, I've always found they're just really comfy. I have kind of short legs, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that really helps with my hip angle. Like, if I had taller cranks, I think I wouldn't be able to sit quite so low or have it be quite so comfortable. Like, my tips would just be really tight. So yeah. I, I really like 165s. Um, so I keep 165s, and then I keep the same saddle on most of my bikes mm-hmm. is and partially that's because i keep the same saddle height and the same saddle fore and aft on all my bikes okay so everything from basically the waist down is identical okay but then you are changing at that point something like uh the top tube style length or the stem length oh yeah 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 100 percent. that's all like just fart in the wind it's whatever it is you know okay um but at least I feel like as long as I can have the the waist down the same, like, I don't know, it seems to work pretty well. Like, I don't have a lot of aches and pains. And actually, you adapt from one bike to the other quickly, or you need, for example, two or three days before going on the truck or two or three days before coming back on the gravel bike? No, 
I feel like they usually transfer over pretty quick. I feel pretty comfy. Okay, okay, that's super great. Oh, you were talking about the saddle. Uh, there is this kind of refrain there that everybody says, okay, every saddle is comfortable for each other as. So, I mean, you have your favorite saddle. I have my favorite saddle. For me, it's SQ Lab. What's your favorite saddle? Uh, the ISM PN 1.0. Okay, so you have it on all your bikes. E pretty much, yeah. I, like, my contract with ISM is just, like, Every year they contact me and they're like, hey, do you need some more? And I'm like, yeah, can you just send like three or four of this saddle? And they're like, yep, okay. And that's the whole year. Like, perfect. It's great. <laughs> that's it's super, super easy. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's super perfect. I've, tr I've tried other ones and I've tried some other ones that they do, but I mean, that's just like, that's the magic, man. I just love that saddle. Yeah. No, as I was saying, you get used to that kind of saddle and actually then it's difficult to go to another saddle. Of course, you can have totally. Some, yeah. You yeah. can have some medical reason to do it or whatever it is, but once you are adapted to that, I also have the same saddle for my gravel bike, for my road bike, and also for my commuter bike. Same yeah. category of bike of saddle. It makes a lot of sense. That's super cool. And uh, I think that actually we have a couple of topics that still we have to talk about. And actually, I promised you while we were talking um, on the Instagram. Tell me the story of your mustache. I think you said it over and over, but probably also my people need <sighs> to listen to that. <laughs> no, I mean, I've had it. Uh, I got it when, oh, when I was in college, I studied music. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was a music major at the time. And like just didn't see people for hours a day. Okay. And so during no shave November, I decided to grow, just grow my hair out. But like my, my facial hair, like I can't grow a beard, but I can grow a mustache. And so I grew it, man, it would have been like 2010, 2011. Like I've had it a decade, you know? Okay. And so it wasn't, it, it just kind of, I kind of stuck with it. And then, uh, you know, like when I started cycling, it got, a lot of attention and you know I, now it's like it's got its own instagram page like <laughs> dude i i feel like i can't shave it like it's it's a bigger persona than than i am really no that's uh that's super great that's super amazing and uh yeah and you're now super recognizable because of your mustache and that's uh that's super great and it's super cool that actually you kicked in this kind of style as well into places that is actually the truck cycling for example where you don't have so much variety and that's amazing yeah it is kind of weird like how how many people like are clean shaven and how uncommon mustaches are in track mm -hmm. i mean i guess it's not weird but uh i'm glad to be able to mix it up a little bit yeah no that's uh that's super great at least you're actually shuffling a bit the cards a lot of tattoos amazing mustache some variety, inclusion, and uh, inclusivity yeah, for all the characters, go. and so everybody can feel represented, and that's great. Right, right. Yeah. I have the last question for you, Ashton, and actually is, as actually I am working together with Komoot to show around to people how cool it is to ride your back door, and you actually told me a couple of times how much you like to ride in Houston. Tell me yeah. about your favorite backyard ride. So basically the, the ride that you like the most around your your now life, your house, your home. Oh, man. Um, actually, I feel like it's a loop we did. I went with uh, Christina. Mm -hmm. What's today? Tuesday. We went out on Monday and did it. Oh, really? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh. We couldn't do the whole thing because it's flooded. Uh, okay. But, what? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, wait until it drains out, but we basically, we start downtown, um, and then there's like a road that has a bike path along it. So you kind of get like the draft from the cars, um, which makes it really fast to get out of town. And then you go through this like nature preserve, um, you go through George Bush park, and then you're also on like another really pretty road to get back in through town. And it's like, it's, it's kind of, it's tricky. Like if you really, if you don't like riding next to traffic or in traffic, it's definitely not fun. Um, but I find that to be really fun just okay. because like cars are like, they're just slow. Um, they're big, they don't move very quickly. And so like, I find it pretty easy to move around cars. Um, and then it's like, you know, if you're hooking along in traffic, getting, you know, 
having cars pass you pretty close, it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, I'm fucking in it. Like we're racing, you know, race people off the line, like just try to motor, like draft off cars for as long as you can. And it's like a really hard workout and kind of like these unstructured intervals. Wow. And then when you get out of town, you can, you know, it's just a nice country road, like really super smooth pavement on the bike path. You come around like a little dam. Um, and then you're in like this swampy, like wooded area. Um, sometimes like I've seen turtles, there's birds everywhere. It's really pretty. Yeah. And then you're, you're back in through town. And the nice thing is like, I find it to be a good balance of all the parts of cycling. I love like you, there's, you know, you're, you're on your in and out of town. Um, when you're sort of in the city proper, you can like, there's all sorts of places to stop. Like you want to stop and get a taco? Like it's two blocks away. Just go get one. You want to stop for a coffee. You want to stop for a boba tea. Like there's all these cool places you can go and explore. There's like murals everywhere. Um, and then, you know, there's the, the nice chill bike path where it's like, you know, you're ducking under, under roads and it's, it's pretty, pretty easy to get around. And then there's like the nice wide open highways where you got a big shoulder. You can really get on the gas for a little bit. Um, a lot of nice nature to look at. Like, it's just a little, it's a good variety of everything on the ride that, um, people could want. And it's like, 60 miles or something like it's a good you know it's a good ways it's about 100 kilometers but it's not like an all-day commitment you know if you had a if you had a meeting at noon you could get out early for it and still make your meeting that's great and uh, and on the yeah. other side you keep yourself engaged because it's a different there is a good variety of things that you're doing during the ride yeah absolutely and you do have to keep yourself engaged when you're in traffic like at no point on that ride where either of us like, Oh man, I'm so bored. I really need to put my headphones on. It was like, Oh man, this is exciting. Like we got to stay with it. You gotta, you're super active the whole time. <laughs> That's real. So Ashton, it was great, great, great pleasure to talk with you today. What are you next now? What are you thinking about your next future? Apart from a lot of swifting, I think now you're pretty engaged with that, but what's next for you? Um, well, I've got that community league race up here in a little bit. For example, <laughs> The, the what six laps of the London Classic course. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so I got that in a little bit. Um, no, I mean the rest, like the rest of the season is going to be a lot of uh, a lot of swifting and a lot of gravel, just like you were talking about. I don't have any plans on the track this season. Ah, okay, that's perfect. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm taking some time off of that and getting back to more of uh, not that the track isn't fun, but just some of the different fun stuff. Um, and yeah. That's that's the plan. Enjoy Houston. Yes, and whenever you're actually planning to come over to Europe or Switzerland, better or Central Europe in general, give me a shout so we can have a ride together. I would love to. Yeah, I was going to ask. We were we initially were planning a trip to Switzerland before we had to bounce off to Texas. Where do you live in Switzerland? So, uh, I live in Zurich. So oh, cool. Yes, yes, Great. yes. But the cool thing of okay, Switzerland noted. is that it's pretty small. So with the train, you can go from one side to the other in a couple of hours. So right. whenever in Switzerland you are coming, be sure to swing by my apartment. We have a guest room here. So if you don't mind oh, perfect. not catching so much sleep because of the kid crying, please come over. But it doesn't cry All so right. much. So it's perfect. <laughs> and on the other side, we can also have a ride together, whatever I would love to. So whenever you're coming to that Switzerland, awesome, man. my guess. Yes, it's super awesome. Yeah, we would love to. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect, man. Ah, yeah. The last thing that I want to ask you, where people can find you? I think that way more people will arrive to my podcast because of you than the other way around. But in case somebody wants to check you out on Instagram and social media, where we can find you? Um, yeah, Instagram would be the one to go to. Uh, you can just search my name or at Bahama Longbottom. Um, I think I'm on Facebook. Instagram's probably the one I update the most. You can find me on Zwift and Strava too. That's perfect. So we can also join some of your rides on Swift if we want. Yeah, every uh, every Wednesday, I think it's at uh, 6 and 10 p.m. UK time. So okay. you guys might be on the same time zone. No, we are on the other. So we are 7 and 11 then. Oh, okay. So hit the 7 o'clock one after work and then go to bed. Don't go. Don't stay up to do the 11 one. <laughs> okay, okay. So you said Wednesdays. 
Wednesdays, yeah. That's perfect. Every Wednesday. Okay, you will see me there. Now I have a bit of back pain, so not riding so much on Swift, but as soon as I'm recovered, you will find me there. Great. That sounds awesome, man. I'll look forward to it. That's great. Man, thanks a lot for this chitty chatting today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks. I will talk to you soon. All right, cheers. Ciao. Ashton, was great fun talk to you. People, I hope that you enjoyed the chat as well. I loved it. Another chat is going to come in another couple of weeks. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I hope you're enjoying the broom wagon. And remember that you can support me with the link, coffee link down below, just to pay me a coffee. Or just remember that you can just, I'm saying just so many times, but that's really a just, support this podcast by reviewing it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The both of them are good. If you can do it on both of them, even better. And remember also the support that this podcast is giving to Baikiki, the amazing NGO that gives the opportunity to women to learn how to ride bikes. Refugee women, to be specific. Last thing, thanks a lot to Komoot for the support. You are just amazing and great. And I really hope that all of you people will enjoy your backyards with a lot of nasty winter rides as I'm doing. No, I'm not doing it at all because my back pain is killing it. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm gonna be out of this back pain soon. This means also being out from the sofa soon. Today is Wednesday and this means that probably tonight, if I can, I'm gonna also join Ashton with one of his Swift rides. Maybe you're gonna find me there. For now, just bye and I will talk to you soon. Thank mm-hmm. you.